0: welcome to the don't die podcast sponsored by aloe treatment centers they're out in malibu they're in silver lake it's a treatment center i started with some friends we want you to get the right treatment the right program for you and stop dying stop dying is exactly what we're talking about an right. he, how do you get a dopey hat? Well, we have a guest, and we're looking at it on Skype, the king of Sacramento, the don't-die king of Sacramento.
1: Yay! <laughs> now, so he doesn't have now a name? Why,
0: it's Neil, but why is it Bobo Cal? What, is, what, um, is, what does that mean, Bobo Cal?
2: Okay, so that comes from uh, my time with the Howard Stern Show. Oh, so, okay. I used to call into the Stern Show for a long time as a Bobo from California. Okay, so. there you
0: go. So there you, okay. so you're
2: So you a radio pro. Well, I, I guess you could say that. I'm not quite a, a podcast uh, whore like you or Dr. Drew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, good job. Yeah, you. baby. You're already my yeah, favorite. You're Fresh ready. out the gate. So hey, what
0: made uh, you? So you're doing Don't Die Sacramento, which, well, what? first off, let's ask, did you get sober or something?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it must, have yeah. Been,
0: it must have started with that.
2: That that would that was the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None and of this would be possible without that Yeah. So I've been sober about um two and a half years now. Oh, great! So so being
0: a sterner and a crazy person, like I'm assuming that you are, it's hard to get sober because it's like looks like getting sober is being square and uh, obedient and <laughs> ob- you know what I mean Ab- abiding by the rules, and so you find dopey or or yeah. don't die and you go fuck at least there's four people that are sober that aren't idiots right oh oh yeah absolutely because you, Cause you know, notice like, i said four because there was five when you started listening but now there's only four
2: god yeah <laughs> well I, people That's freaking rough, drop yeah. like flies in this industry i actually work now uh in the treatment industry and god i can just i just see people drop constantly yeah um and so what resonated to me so much with was your show frankly was just the message of don't die because you know working in like the front lines in a treatment center i have oh, so God. many clients that come in and then you hear three days later they're dead Right. you know oh That's they crazy. went and died it's it's horrifying and you know i'm a i'm a young guy i'm one of your uh, millennials oh i know i can tell you know? i
0: can see you on the skype
2: yeah You're and so skype. i sp- <laughs>
1: On the internet, and just so you, you know, Skype.
0: like I'm kind of a I'm kind of a hypocrite about the millennial thing. Just, just my wife is a millennial and my oldest son is a millennial, and I love them, right? But mm-hmm. my, but and they're both definitely millennials in that millennial esque way. But, but mostly it's it's the the thing about millennials that drives me nuts is, and it isn't about the two of them because they're hard workers and whatever. It's when given opportunity to fucking seize the day and go fucking rule the universe and tell everybody to fuck off, they just go, oh, no, I'm going to move back to my mom's house because I need my laundry done. That pisses me off.
2: Oh, my God. Well, I've got millennials, you know, these kids who are in at the treatment center I work at, and they're complaining, you know, like... "Uh." Our prime rib just wasn't cooked very well oh, last night. Oh, you're fancy. <laughs> he's in a fancy. What they got? Fa- they got a fancy
0: part of Sacramento. I didn't know. Up in oh, Sacramento, yeah. many times.
2: Oh, there's there's some there's some pretty nice uh, nice parts. You're not in of-
0: Sacramento. You're out in you're out west near the prison where all the rich people live.
2: No, it's so actually, citrus it's up height. up
0: in the hills. It's Are up you in, in the Citrus hills.
2: Heights? So actually, the treatments that I work at is up in that area. Um, right. I, live in, I live in Midtown Sacramento, but yeah, up, you know, up in that area where there's you know, Land Rovers, Range Rovers, the yeah, kids yeah. are all getting dropped off, and you know, Mercedes is yeah, all yeah. that kind of jazz. That's oh, where yeah. the fancy
0: Prime Rib Rehab is. Right. You know how I know that area? Because I had how? a client that had, I had a client for two years, because I used to do alternative sentencing, right? This guy gets caught rolling his car with meth and machine guns in his car. Bobby comes Bobby comes in and goes, the poor guy is a drug addict. Can we can we can we and I hear a hallelujah from the judge (laughs) And I was Uh, up there back and forth to that court there in that fancy part of town. A really nice wooden courthouse building. It's got trees all around it. It's yeah, and and so I know that area. Oh yeah. Because that's the only area somebody could hire me. To get off of a machine gun. One of them. Machine yeah. guns and meth, and the guy served not a day in jail. And How fucking great am I at alternative sentencing?
1: Well, thank you
2: for putting <laughs> him back out in public. Yeah, Bob, okay. I appreciate that. Especially as a resident of Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. I'm very
0: no, yeah, he was with me for two years. Dude, he lived at Beechwood.
1: I like Beechwood. That's a good uh, place.
0: Chuck's, Chuck has very personal experience. He was one of the payees of a client at Beechwood.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know how we swung that. I think I just followed your advice, man. I You know, you you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to get your kid in treatment. That's, you don't. that's for you sure. You really don't. You, you can know.
0: you can, if you're if you're tenacious and you and you and you're like open to to like seeking out really qualitative solutions. The qualitative solutions don't cost as much as the bells and whistles bullshit. They don't.
1: Well, you know, and this goes with something we were talking about earlier, and that is, um, you know, as long as, as long as your person no longer sees dope and booze as a solution, but they see it as a problem, they've got a chance. That's, you know, that's so vital. We get so many young people that come in. We were talking about how, uh, you know, they're still in the fun times. The problem is they're overdosing yeah. at, fuck, like, like never they're, before. Let's,
0: let's not, but it's not so much, it's, they're in the irresponsible, I'm bulletproof, I'm going to live forever phase. Yeah. Right? But they're
1: not mm-hmm. And so the kids, unfortunately. the
0: kids that you're dealing with, you know, I don't know if you're a fan of all this alternative sobriety stuff, but there's a Dr. Poole, have you ever heard of him? P O O L E. And I you can not. look him up on the internet. He says it's rehabs that are killing young people getting them abstinent is the thing that's setting them up, knowing that 95% of them return to active use by going to treatment is, is a contributor to them dying. I, well, I mean, you know, that, that makes, that
2: makes total sense because, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a 12 step guy. You know, that's how I got sober. You know, I'm into that model. But as I've done research, like as I was getting my KDAC and all that stuff, I started reading. I'm like, holy shit. MAT is really, what statistically empirically is helping kids but we're like not allowed to even mention that
0: well but you know where i work I, a lot of that stuff is perverted though so when they do mat research and i did it at Los and hospital wait can we tell people that's medically assisted medically treatment? assisted treatment it's, listen they act like they just invented it four years ago it's been going on for <laughs> 50, it's been going on for 70 years
1: since they strung out hank yeah, williams <laughs>
0: since the 1940s so so With the MAT research, all they're measuring is how many times you used your drug of choice while you were taking the replacement drug, right? So suboxone, in particular, is a drug that people will be on suboxone for two or three weeks or a month or a month and a half or two months and not use their drug of choice. What they will use is marijuana, alcohol. But when they're so a lot of the statistics of MAT are kind of slanted because they only go on drug of choice if you really read the fine print mm-hmm. of their research. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. saying we're giving you suboxone because you're an opioid addict. As long as you don't use opioids, they consider that a day that harm reduction or or, or replacement therapy has worked. Even though you might be smoking pot and drinking and taking Suboxone. And That's <laughs> a successful day of sobriety. According to some doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Well, the guy, the, the guy that, want, that bought stock in Suboxone really <laughs> likes those numbers. But, you know, that's also, I mean, I had a guy who's a meth guy who was, uh, he's due to leave treatment any day now. He's o- over 100 days in treatment. Adderall. Gets loaded. He does get on loaded? On Suboxone over the weekend because his girlfriend left treatment.
0: Why would he do that?
1: First of all, we've got, you know, since all right, we sub- got
0: three docs here. Let's try to solve this problem. Okay. Why Let's would a guy it. do that? He wants relief. It's socially acceptable to take Suboxone. So there's, mm-hmm. I'm just right. To, but it I'm wasn't, it wasn't
1: his prescription. So he got it from somebody who's somehow sneaking it or he's going on Craigslist, which is, you know, this is not a secret to the people that use. He's going on Craigslist and you can buy it cheap because people get uh, prescriptions for it and sell it. Yeah, it's $10 the,
0: for an 8-milligram strip. So, you know, so... So he, no, but here, he, and he's a primary stimulant addict, never been an opiate addict?
1: He's, it, his opiate is a, uh, what do they call that? Um, it's not deferred, but it's...
0: Somas or something?
1: It, no, it's just something that he hasn't done. So he's had some, some, some abstinence from uh, opiates for, for a period of time, and he actually likes ice, prefers but to... But he has done opiates. In in the past, yes.
0: Okay, so he knows about Suboxone. He knows it gives you mental relief, the antidepressant, mood stabilizer. He knows it's safe. It, it's a predictable And it's socially dose, yeah. acceptable. And he doesn't want to go back to math. It makes perfect sense. Use Suboxone.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, you know, to me, it sounds like a substance use disorder. <laughs> just, just, <laughs>
0: It use it is as
2: a, a uh, substance disorderly <laughs> it
0: is a, that is that is a substance use disorder he <laughs> he should be on some sort of medication for you that. know
1: i think he should take some um synthetic meth
0: you want to know an interesting <laughs> thing that i found out dealing with a client so some insurances will only pay for seven days of suboxone so that leaves you to your own device's this is what suggests another contributor to the black market of Suboxone and Subutex. So your insurance will only cover seven days worth and then they want you to pay cash $5 per two milligram pill of Subutex. So if you're on four milligrams, that's 10 bucks a day. You owe $210. Now, if you go to a heroin dealer who also sells Subutex on the side, he'll sell you uh, an eight milligram strip of Suboxone for $10. They're creating a black market. The insurance industry, the harm reduction, big pharma. It's crazy huh. how how you know this whole world of replacement therapy is now the vanguard of recovery, right? <laughs> it's the gold standard. Yet insurance says we need to get some cash for this. So you're talking about two hundred and ten dollars if you're on four milligrams.
2: Well, right? the insurance the whole insurance industry pullback has gotten so severe recently. You know, I've got kids who are getting approved for two days at a time when they're, you know, shitting themselves, vomiting on themselves and, you know, can't even move. It's just it's horrible.
1: And you're doing utilization reviews on them every other day. And and I'm the only as
0: antisocial as I am and opposition as I am and as as anti corporate as I am, I will defend them in. They have been defrauded out of billions of dollars by bad actors in our industry Uh right billions Mm -hmm. and we all just stood by we worked for some of them hey i'm just doing my job right (laughs) i'm just doing my job it's
2: a great excuse you know what i mean
0: and 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 i was envious of some of them for for a period of time you know when i see this asshole out in malibu and he says hey want to see a picture of my yacht now i don't want a yacht but I would like to be able to put a new transmission in my car. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? so being ethical and honorable while all these greedy scumbags became multimillionaires, that's why the insurance is doing, that's why they insist on the utilization review and the daily kind of documentation because there was all these frauds and I can say their names, bleep, 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 (laughs) bleep, bleep. Because I don't want them. Because they're all rich and they uh, they love suing people. So I've learned that lesson they to not them name car. them. At first, <laughs> Neil. At first, yeah. I just name them, and they'd be, and I <laughs> then I bump into them at a health food store and say, "Hey, dude, I heard you on the podcast the other day. That you wasn't say, no, cool. You what didn't. you no said? No one listens. How could you have heard it? No one listens. No one of their <laughs> one of their counselors betrayed me <laughs> because they wanted to fuck with their greedy boss and played it for him, right?
1: <laughs> Which one was so, that?
0: Uh, <laughs> it was one. The, the guy's name is a common first name. Don't
1: don't do <laughs> it beca- the rhyming. Begins it it with an R. It, it, <inaudible> it ends <inaudible> with a D. It has <inaudible> a, it has <inaudible> an
0: I and a C H and an A and an R mixed together oh, in there. <laughs> <laughs> but but so I I kind of understand the insurance industry singing. But what I expected was the mom and pops, the good actors, like. That have stuck it out and tried to do the right thing and looked at success rates and evidence based kind of uh, treatment, that we would get rewarded, but we're not being rewarded. It just seems this black hole of like, no, we're not paying, right? Now, yeah. what's great about the last year. Is the ones as soon as the compensation went down, right? So, for those of you at home that don't know, so you every hospital, every medical procedure, everything that happens in medicine in America bills double the value, right? So, a hospital bed they bill five thousand dollars and they expect to get twenty five hundred, right? So, and then there's other measurements, 50% of Medicare. Medicare has adjusted rates, eight ten a day, whatever, right? So as long as these criminals, in my opinion, were making 50% of billable, they were cool. But recently, in the last year, it's dropped to 25% of billable, right? And you can't increase your billable. You can't go, oh, no, you know what? That bed's worth 4500 now. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah.
1: so, That's a pretty nice so bed.
0: So guess what? <laughs> what the insurance industry is doing is working. They're all closing up their rehabs right combined with and i hate to say it because i've had a back and forth relationship with him combined with greg the anonymous guy his advocacy with google and stopping the mono- monopolization of google's search engines and 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 what is it called uh how you optimize Ad- adwords yeah adwords uh, whatever the initials are all those rehab oh people. seo seo right there so, you go. So Google is clamped down on bad actors, and the insurance industry is, and they're all leaving. They're all f- they're flooding out of the industry. Right, but right. You'll so still that's be there, good, but we'll be here. Uh, right, Warren
1: will still be there. But I'm
0: hoping that that they're going to be cool to us like a year or two or three from now. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> what I mean? At least give us 33 percent available. Uh, yeah right
1: we're we're just we're gonna have to adapt because like it's the same thing like what happened with real estate you know a lot of people came in and and screwed things up for the good people Mm -hmm. and you know you run into this and the mortgage and we have to you know every once in a while i'll say something and and bob will go you know what fuck those guys you have to defend yourself every day for what you do because of people like that yeah that's true and i i forget that sometimes that it seems like i can't go anywhere when people go what do you do for a living well, you know, I, I I work in treatment, it's almost like a head-down thing, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm I'm not going to get rich doing it the way I've been doing it, and that's okay because every once in a while someone is able to turn the corner, and if you're working in recovery at all, you know that that's worth so much, man. Well, here's an and interesting thing. And people help thing. my kids, you know? Well, so, but here's
0: an interesting thing. When yeah. you're doing, well, you just do the core functions, right? You just went through KDAC school in the last year and a half probably, right? So mm-hmm. assessment and referral, correct? So when yeah. you're assessing somebody, an addict who's in front of you, if they come from a working class background in rural Pennsylvania, they need to be treated as that community and that kind of and their ethnicity and their age and you you, you assess all these factors in the person's life and then you determine what would be the most appropriate care for that person, treatment for that person. What would be most effective? You're, you're, you're going with a hunch, but you're going with experience, right? So yeah. what, what the gold rush of rehab did was, doesn't matter if you're from rural Pennsylvania and, got, and don't even have a high school diploma, you need to go to Malibu to a fancy rehab. Mm-hmm. You need to go up in Sacramento to the fancy rehab because they can bill your insurance for $50,000. That was yep. what was wrong. Now here's the thing. I'll defend Malibu rehab till the cows come home. There are people of that lifestyle, but that is not a fancy thing to be in those houses.
1: No, it's a step that's down. That's why I, Malibu yeah. treatment
0: or that's why your treatment was established, right? Yeah. Those ranchers out there. The the hearse need to go to rehab somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 right? Dude. So so the hearse are big in Central California. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you know that. Yeah. The cow cow barons. But um <laughs> cow they, cow they, Is there are, such a thing as a cowberry? The hearse are still involved in beef. You didn't know that? Well, no, but he I, li- I just—that's
1: uh, my new comes band. He from cow the Barons.
0: heartland of California, where it's, dude. There is multi-generational billionaires up there from farming and and agri- right? Yeah, we got.
2: Like, oh, we've got some hillbillies with some serious cash.
0: Yeah, and so they go to the fancy rehab up there by the courthouse where I live <laughs>
1: Well, you know, but, but you're right. No, I've had people. But where the people them-
0: from rural Pennsylvania shouldn't be going there. They should go to a, a, a behavior mod, biopsych, social, no hold, Hazelden model, Minnesota model rehab in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That's where they should fucking go. And for seven years, they came to Malibu or to your place or to your place. And that was the bullshit. And it was ineffective in helping them because we all just went with the flow like okay the main part of like our job is to assess and determine what quality what care would be most effective for this person but just because they got their moms in the union let's have them come out to malibu you know what i mean i mean i was a
2: part of it oh well it's i'll say it's getting really refreshing now that you know in clinical meetings now we're actually finally discussing you know, is this person appropriate for us, you know, or, you know, where where else can we send them?
0: And to be honest, because you're only getting 18 grand for him now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just honest to a fault. So, so what I've come up with is, what we need to do, because a lot of us have benefited, I've benefited moderately, but I don't expect the greedy profiteers to do it, but we should join together, the ones that are doing all right, Warren and maybe your, your place where you work. Let's go start satellite outpatients in these great towns. Like, I'm, I want to, Aloe's going to do a satellite outpatient in Milwaukee where the Don't Die Milwaukee guys are. I'm going to try to do it in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania with... Um, lehigh universities because you know why because there's free labor there (laughs) lehigh has a health and human services department they just opened for well there's
2: so there really needs to be something in appalachia right now because i mean that is just where you know this opioid epidemic has just decimated towns you know they're in west virginia yeah
0: huntington Um, west virginia i'm going to huntington west virginia I had a client who's had success. Would you success. straighten that
1: shit out over there in Huntington, West Virginia? Yeah, but I got
0: to get a lay of the land. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I've thought a lot about, like, I, there's only a few people I know from there. Like, I talked to some, some friends of mine that are from that region. They say, you know what? You don't, you don't know what it's like there. Jessica the, White's from there. No. Uh, huh? Jessica White. Jessica White. Jesco. Jesco Oh, no, the ma- Magnificent Whites of... Uh, right. Yeah. But what my friend, who, by the way, is an actor, guy, he told me, like, Bob, you got to understand the South, and particularly West Virginia and Tennessee. That is the pill capital of the world. You have great oh, yeah? gran- grandmothers been taking morphine since the 40s. Like, that's why, why Purdue Pharmaceutical knew that it would catch on there, because it's a pill-consuming... He just said, think of Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash,
1: right? That's, He's been that was taking big pills thing.
0: since the early 50s, right? So it's a. Pill, oh, yeah, it's a pill culture there. So I don't know that my thing, we've got to have a, a, a kind of a round table and figure out what the community needs and who could be the leaders of it and what what could work down there. because you are talking about, you know, the guy that, that got sober that he knows people who their grandmother, their mother, and the daughter, uh, all used together three generations oh. all used together i can tell mm. you i've mm. never seen that in california no but never it,
1: it's so much different with pills though because it's clean it's predictable the, the no but
0: they're doing heroin now because the pills are uh stopped
1: so are they doing fentanyl now
0: they're snorting white heroin that's what they it... seems like
2: hmm. well i used to live actually in a greenville south carolina and every like two three weeks, we would load up the car and we would drive down to uh, a Georgia, like a six seven hour car ride to go see the uh, the pain management doctor. And we would when we would come back, we would sit down at dinner, and you would look around the table and you would see my buddy, his mom, his aunt. Everybody would have <laughs> blue not blue nostrils from the Roxy's that everybody would tell start you. See.
0: I'm telling you. <laughs> I, you know, so that that needs to be met culturally and by someone of that community <laughs> and like the, the sober community, which I was told is non-existent. It's got to be there somewhere. There's got to be a few hundred people. But, but why I'm so focused on Huntington, West Virginia, it is the death per capita capital of America, meaning mm. it's only a town of 50,000 people. In one weekend, 12 people died. Wow. You know what I mean? So it is ground zero of this opioid problem in America. Well,
2: more people right now are dying of opioids than they were at each month than at the height of the AIDS crisis.
0: Oh, for sure. That I was in the I was in the height of the AIDS crisis. (laughs) it It was nothing like this. It was nothing like it. And 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 just the volume of people that that you meet, especially on the front lines, like you said, that have died of this is just. You have to block it out of your mind. Like all these kids, like I like to think that they're still alive somehow. I just, I can't take it. It's hundreds of kids, Chuck, in the last 10 years. Hundreds of kids I've talked with. On a Tuesday, I was, you know, my friend's daughter was in my group on Tuesday. On Saturday, she was dead. The next Tuesday, I had to do a group about the feelings all the group had about her. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. That's heavy. And,
0: and so when you're dealing with that day after day after week after week, and then, you know, you see it happen in pop culture. We are talking to Dave dopey Dave, and I'm a big fan of music and I do follow all kinds of music all the time. I love that kid, little peep and he's fucking dead. And I, and I watched him like commit suicide via YouTube and nobody did anything. I, I expected like somebody's going to, somebody around that kid that loves that kid is going to stop the tour or do something. Like, the kid's just videotaping himself taking, you know, Zanny bars one after another after another when he's already almost unconscious. And his tour manager's there, and his manager's there, and his friends are there. Like, is somebody going to do something? And that's why I think that that there's some sort of amoral thing to millennials. Like, no, you love him? Stop him. Step in. Do you know how many times we stepped in and tried to help each other and different musicians? I'll tell you the greatest one of all time. You want to hear it, Neil? Yeah. So John Fashante got, (laughs) it's kind of legendary that John (laughs) Fashante got got sober, right? And so everyone's like, that guy was the worst of the worst of the craziest of the crazy. How did he get sober? So it started to get to the other musicians who were, you know, living that same life, right? And one was Lane from from, uh, uh, Alice Allison Chains. So actually, his mother found out through me that John had gotten sober. And so, and I told her, you know, she said, how, what stopped him? Was it you? Was it? I said, no, he got gangrene of the arm and he thought he was, his arm was going to fall off and he called Flea and then Flea called me and we went over to his house and we brought him to the hospital and he was in intensive care for like three weeks. And then at a certain point, he just said, I want to get off of drugs. <laughs> like, you know. It wasn't some intervention that happened, right? And so Lane's mother then st- saw him a few weeks later and told me, do you know that John Fashanti from the Chili Peppers got sober and he had gangrene and he almost died and I've talked to Bob Forrest and he and Bob would come up here and talk with you and help you, Lane, if you want it. And Lane said, oh, mom, no, 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 no. She This her telling me the story. And I said, "What did he say?" Uh, cuz I, I didn't he didn't like me all that much anyways, even when we were loaded, but but so so, <laughs> but it, yeah. so I just what said, did "What did he say?" and she said, "Well, he made a joke. He said, "Mom, I'm a singer. If I lose my arm, it's okay." I just like a joke. <laughs> 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 like, if a guitar player. That's that's Right, like, that's That's horrible, suicide. but singers can lose an arm or two Jesus, <laughs> be, yeah, you gotta have one to hold on to the mic to yeah. look cool right
1: I, not a lot of one-armed singers though now that i think about it
0: there's no but there's one-armed drummers or at least one there's one one-armed drummer there is yeah so neil what's your background are you from la where are you from
2: uh so actually no i'm from uh, the bay area so okay. i grew up in i grew up in san jose um I went to school uh, for undergrad actually in Orange County, and that's actually the first place I ever tried to get sober was down in the uh, Newport Beach
0: Costa Mesa uh, recovery
2: community. Yeah. Oh,
3: Bob loves Orange
0: County. Oh, uh, Costa Mesa clubhouse, Costa Mesa and
2: yeah. a clubhouse. Well, that's actually where I got my first big resentment against AA. Is I was dating <laughs> this girl in college, and uh, we started going. I started going with her. To uh, 12 step meetings at the Newport Beach Alano club
0: oh 32nd street
2: yeah yeah and well, that's
0: uh, not that's not the biker one
2: no it was pretty it was Depends pretty on cushy. The year.
0: it's very <laughs> clicky, very clicky
2: so like after going there for a while, this girl was you know she was kind of taking it you know seriously I was really only going there because I saw AA meetings as a cheap uh, date and I was just you know trying to get in her pants uh, well, and, you you're know and bad, then man. Oh, hey, you know, it's all, it's a program of rigorous oh, honesty. I, know. Go, go ahead.
1: I love that word, rigorous,
2: rigorous. Oh, yeah. It's a good word. So then uh, after a little, after a while, this girl got a sponsor, and her sponsor had the audacity to tell her that we had a codependent relationship, right. and that if. Right. She wanted to take your sobriety seriously. We needed to separate for a little little while. And I was like, you know, fuck you. Hey, this 12-step lady that was your stole mistake. my girlfriend. That was your mistake.
0: <laughs> no, you can think that, but you shouldn't say that. Say, hey, whatever you want to do. I've been in that position several <laughs> times. You fucked up.
1: Mm-hmm. When yeah. you
0: say, hey, oh. you know, I don't want st- to stand in your way, they never do what the sponsor says. But if you act like you did... It's Ixnay on the relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Oh my God. You got to rookie mistake. I should have passed that wisdom on somehow. You should have
3: called Bob.
0: (laughs) you always got to go with that. I had my girlfriend. My girlfriend's brother told me, if you really love my sister, you'd stay away from her. And I said, I get that. I understand that. Okay. Well, if if she wants to stay away from me, Brian, then that's what we'll do. And then she, you know, I, you know, she was, uh, you know, a couple of days later. I said, you know, everybody wants you to stay away from me, and I understand. And I don't want to stand in your way. I want you to be sober. Blah blah. blah. No, no, Bob. We, I like your girl We voice. shall be together. <laughs> <laughs> and we guess what? We got we stayed sober together, and we was sober for eight years together, and it was fine, right? But, but
2: you can't what? go fuck you to the sponsor. I, I got to know. That's a bad. Move. I got to know how long ago oh, yeah. was
1: that when you were down there.
2: That would have been 2008,
1: 2009. What what was their sponsor's name? What did it start with? God, yeah. I,
3: hey, I
2: couldn't. The
1: girls.
0: No, you're going to get I to uh, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I know Mike, who it is. Mike, Mr. A. <laughs> you shut it down. <laughs> no, I'm
3: not. So, you're saying that's not true. Right.
2: Did you, you have a sponsor, Neil? I did. Actually, so I had a sponsor at that time. Did it begin with in- a J? No, it's, oh. it was
0: starting with the letter K. Okay, so... so oh, I wish. So yeah, so, how,
3: how many times is it a bit like, I was using and, and Susie...
0: Oh, gosh, I wonder what musician Mike Mart used to be married to. Google it. I
3: was never married.
0: Yes, you I were. Would... Weren't you married?
2: No. I've been so excitedly waiting for the part of anyway. this podcast when Bob would yell at Mike Mart. Like, <laughs> yeah.
3: or oh, we do that all the time.
0: It's all right. Are you, are you kidding? I'm going to Google it right now. That's not true. You, you, yes, Mike Mart, no, you were, were, were married. Mike, Mike Mart, you were
3: married. This is the part where he goes, oh Mike Mart, you were. And so, goes, anyways, oh, yeah. what, so, what I'm saying is, is that I'm still sober.
1: Yeah. Well, like, and you know, and that's not the business. Wow. First of all, that's not the business of. 12 step sponsors to tell people whether to date or not exactly you're exactly right Chuck. so you know you're right see that's that's an alano club hero type thing and that's that's one of the problems that people don't understand about 12 step stuff is that they're there to help you through steps should you choose to take them you take the steps with the person they they don't you know if if you're if you're going for a person like even my sponsor today if i call him and say this is what's going on if I've got something, he'll go, Would you like my opinion? And That's... and I say yes or no. And I usually I wouldn't be asking him. I run things by my boss, I run things by Bob, I run things by you were in my a sponsor, movie, I run things okay. by my dad. I Mike, mean, a you lot were of in people. a movie with
0: Mike, you were in a movie <laughs> that with That doesn't her. mean I was
1: married, <laughs> to her, You fucking Maybe you were married in the movie? Were you married in the movie? No. Why Bob got it in your head that you were married to her? Was no,
3: it I was married to Melissa.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. But not well, Susie. You, know,
0: you know, Chuck, though. I, I you want to know why? Because I went to Mike's wedding you and got, I don't remember it. You got uh, what you wanted. And, he and it was a blonde girl. And it was a blonde girl. So I just took for granted uh, it was Susie.
3: No, no, it was Melissa. Okay. Yeah. And I wore a gold LeMay tuxedo. Do
0: you actually Good do for you. you. Act, like do you act in this movie?
3: No, what I did the it? soundtrack. What are
0: you looking up? He's in I a movie. Sound- you, Google, you Google Susie G and Mike Mart, and <laughs> up comes... Up but now, now everybody
1: can do that. Now we got to cut out that whole thing. Slaves nah, to the, I don't it, get, it's it's know, a movie I just, called
0: Slaves to the Underground. Mike Mart, Susie G. Well,
3: fuck it. Tell us who it was down in Newport then. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't...
1: No, you know what? I, I think oh you're God. right about that. I, no, I, was, Joe, I was just curious. Come on. I was just curious. It's just there, there are people that run things certain ways, and there, there are certain lines of sponsorship that hold this. This is the what meeting you go to. This is what time I want you to meet me there. This is the way we're going to do it. This is the way. It's a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter approach. They, they, want
3: your, that, they want your early sobriety to be, to be as miserable as theirs. That's the bottom line. <laughs> so anyway, you got sure you to resume miserable. in Orange County. I'm going to change the subject, and I'm going to ask Neil a question here. Can okay. we talk, Neil, about you, how your podcast is uh, hosted by somebody and they got arrested? <laughs> I want to hear oh, this Jesus story. Jesus Christ. Okay. This is going to be great, right?
2: So, um, yeah, this is a great one. So, our, my podcast, um, Don't Die Sacramento, um, we've been hosted on the Gonzo Podcast Network for a while. That's where we've been doing our show. Yeah,
3: I saw that. And, uh, there were links to, like, Pornhub yeah, and, and stuff on there and all kinds of shit, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, all sorts of wild shit. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, actually we host a bunch of, sh- there's like a ton of people who have shows there, like actually Mary Carey does a show there, Andy Dick, you know, a ton of, wa- big wide variety of characters. All of a sudden, nobody had heard from the guy Jeff who was running the network, went silent. <laughs> None of us could access anything, I would do a show, send it in, it would never get posted, we we're like, what the fuck is going on? Then all of a sudden, we look it up and find out that the guy Jeff who's been running the network is in jail on a no bail charge for running a uh, felony criminal enterprise, and it turns out the felony criminal enterprise was the podcast network. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Good for you, he was somehow <laughs> yeah. this guy was buying people equipment. He was uh, sending them incredibly expensive, you know, mixers, microphones, green screen kits, you know, and monitors. What was, all this and what sh- was going on? He was getting that money some illegal way. No one knows. All I can tell is I was reading the charges and it says, uh, you know, running a facilitating a criminal financial enterprise while the guy was on probation or something. So out, out of nowhere, the whole network disappeared. You know, well, and so had, where,
0: what do you, where, what have you done? Yeah, Cause How I couldn't find it? it. I couldn't find it.
2: So I actually had to go and reapply to iTunes, um, and start a new channel. Well, what's so the, I act-
0: what's the thing that we use, Mike? We use Libsyn. Is and that where that lib-
3: microphone came from? Libsyn. No, those are mine. But <laughs> no, not li- no, his <laughs> is way better. Oh, than his microphone.
2: Did you get that from the cook? No. So this one I've had from when I was at a, a different podcast yeah, right, network okay. before. If right, we got especially it from the for group, legal purposes, I have to it. deny. Have so to are deny you everything. having,
0: are you having, um, are you dealing with the kids? Like, are they catching on to just the idea of don't die? Have you talked to them about it?
2: You know what? I love that you bring that up. I have actually, I have, uh, I put up on on the wall in my office every once in a while, I have a picture of you, Bob, with your arms oh, crossed,
1: oh, with Jesus. a hat <laughs> on,
2: yeah. and I wrote below it, don't die before you find the solution. Yeah, and, I saw that. And, nice. and when the kids are getting real wild, I'll kind of bring, bring that up, and I've been, sometimes when I do groups, I'll end them by telling everybody, you know, just don't die. There's you know, no, if you no. guys don't like what I'm saying, you know just wait until you figure it out. And I've had so many clients come up to me when they're discharging and saying, Hey, I love this. Don't die stuff. Can you give me some information? You know, what can you tell me about it? They're just hungry for something. Yeah. They
0: really want something. And that's what's happening in Milwaukee. And that the people I come in contact with is there is no rule about it. Like I have my own personal preferences, which is when you go back to active use, and I say it in the positive, in the affirmative. I don't act like they're gonna stay sober. I said, when you go back to active use, be careful, man. Don't do it based in shame and like you're a fuck up. Like I did that a thousand times. You, you, it's not a shame. You're just returning back to active use. And, and somehow maybe active use will make you more motivated to, to, to look at things differently. But don't go out there, oh I'm a fuck up, I'm a piece of shit, I'm gonna shoot dope, I don't care. You know what I mean? And and die by yourself in a bathroom stall somewhere. You know what I mean? I just Oh you know, yeah. Oh. Because I, I think when you challenge people that they are gonna use again, they're like, No, I'm not and I go, Yeah, you probably are. Like nine out of ten people are.
2: Well Try. they cannot believe it. When when you do a group and when you talk about you know the relapse stats or something and and when i've said you know when you go use again their eyes just bug out because all they've been hearing from people all day long is
0: they can't use, you know abstinence you can't ever
2: use again if you ever use again and so when they hear me talk about this or i've got um my co-host lee that i do the show with he is brilliant he actually has been doing these like don't die groups right um his actual motto he always says is what would bob do like when we've got a real challenge <laughs> well, situation. I'm
0: getting, I'm getting far too much credit on this. One of the one of, <laughs> well, one, of, one of the parts of Don't Die came from Gibby Haynes. Like he's the one that said, you know, because he's been a friend of mine for years and he's like, you know what rehabs is? I'm always known as a rehab guy, right? So Gibby, one time we're at dinner, and he goes, you know what they should teach in rehab? And I was like, no, what? Like I get that a lot. Like a lot of animus towards rehabs, right? And he <laughs> said, um cpr certification <laughs> <laughs> true. oh no that, that's that true would though. actually be a valuable tool for the whatever for the 30 I, days I, that you go there right and i could recommend a good
1: online course narcan training <laughs> narcan training intranasal now, narcan training is what, not a bad idea actually
0: i mean i hate to <laughs> i hate to bring them up all the time but the milwaukee guys are amazing and the people at the harm reduction center there. They're, they're trying to get funding for fentanyl testers so that if you're going to go back to using dope, you just, I don't know how it works, but you just put this thing in and it tells you it's like, you know, percent, you know, high percentage fentanyl, like that you can put in the dope. Like that, that's yeah. amazing.
3: They're going to test they're going to use it to test to make sure the dope has the fentanyl. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> What the
1: fuck yeah. You, well, you, you
3: hope not, you know? Yeah.
1: You hope that
3: You hope you want a positive reading but not above 30%. No, <laughs> me going. Look. This is fucking great, man. We can tell if we're getting ripped
2: off or not. That's true. Well, kind of. That's, that's what the ravers used to do with those ecstasy testing kits back in like the early 2000s. They used to you know, I think it was called Dance Safe, I think was the name of the company that used to do it and you'd send in all your pills and they would test it and tell you if it was actually even MDMA or what was in was that there. a taste Yeah, test? I'm sorry. I just think like a junkie. <laughs> I can't help it. That's
0: well, exactly no. what well, I Well, something that's come up at the, the the safe injection sites in Vancouver and stuff, which I didn't think of because I'm so happy that people are open-minded enough to have that, is that when you want to really the Vancouver kids told me when you really want to get fucked up you go down there. If you want to shoot like a big old speedball, you, oh you go to the injection site because nothing's going to happen.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you, can go, you can have that, that post-life experience. Like,
0: huh? We always got to consider how crazy drug addicts are Fuck when we're yeah. trying to help them. <laughs>
2: like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm sure That's some great. people are going to be safe and all that kind of stuff, but, but some are going when they you know came into some money and they just want to do a big speedball.
3: Like, let's go to the safety center. <laughs> yeah, let's go
0: make sure that we... And That's kind and of the a reason, pussy way to do it. The reason why I, that came <laughs> make up sure. is... Um, oh, okay. I'm getting, I'm getting all these updates on Elvis's... I'm such a lazy father. Elvis is in the Cub Scouts, and I'm supposed to be helping sell popcorn for this event, so I just keep <laughs> posting it on social media to like, hopefully, people will buy it because I don't want to buy it. I don't even want to deal with it. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: are, are you selling
0: popcorn? Yeah. Yes. Are you? There's buying? nothing worse than that Boy Scouts popcorn. <laughs> oh, is you know, it? Is it? Were you? In the, were you?
2: Were you a Cub Scout? Because I. Oh, I. I was. That was my original uh, cult that I before I joined the Twelve Step. Okay. World, do you remember
0: was, the Scout Law? Because that's how I'm living my life based on the scout law. Though I want nothing. I don't want to be a scout.
3: This is what caused Bob the Scout Law.
0: Tonight. The scout law is to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient. Uh, don't say the O word. Obedient, don't cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Oh, like that's, that's, it. that's a fucking badass way to live. Right? Well, look at what trouble it got you in. <laughs> Jesus
1: which which ones
0: did you fail so badly at trustworthiness (laughs) i think it was obedient when my
1: dad said don't do that
0: yeah obedience a high that's a high bar that's just a really bad word for that um although a good drug addict is very thirsty when i when i looked at it the first thing that struck me after i you know looked at it really carefully was honest is not in there you would think honest would be in there i guess trustworthy suggests honesty that's, but there's the nothing integrity it, yeah it doesn't have integrity no just but trust, trustworthy
1: that's what trustworthy having integrity is i think you need to
0: teach kids to be honest oh, <laughs> I, I, would, I think, what, I think unless you list honest they're not going to be honest because they're not going to be honest anyways there's got to be i think that's in the motto
3: well, I think you have to practice that shit in raising kids anyways. I mean, like, okay, so for example, I'm all month I've been just, like my kids always listen to the Beatles. I, you know, they love the Beatles and everything. So getting tired of the Beatles, I go to Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson has great you don't go to the Rolling Stones? You go nah, to Michael Jackson? The Rolling Stones are too old. They're
0: ready man. for the Rolling
3: Stones, Mike. Nah, man. they'll discover that when they get adults. But anyway, so I'm Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Tell him, that he's great. And then my oldest goes, well, wasn't he a child molester? I got. I, I just tell her, look, you have to separate the art from,
0: from the, the artist. From the there artist. You go. That's you good know? advice.
3: You have to separate art from artists. Learn how to do that let's in just, life let's just and you'll just fuck be all right.
0: Neil, watch us. Let's fuck with Mike a bit. Mike, how old were you when you became (laughs) obsessed with the Rolling Stones? Oh, I would have to say maybe
3: (laughs) twelve. Twelve years old. You
0: said they will get into it when they're adults. I know. But
3: (laughs) (laughs) he knows what happened to him. (laughs) Guess what though, Bob? They were younger when I was twelve years old. They were younger. Who was younger? The Rolling Stones were younger. They were cool when I was 12 years old.
0: I know you play them that cool records like Paint It Black. I know, but they look
3: at pictures of them now and go, look at this guy. Look at fucking Keith Richards, dude. He looks like However the fucking old, weirdest when, dude
0: in the world. What What year did Paint It Black come out? 66, 67. I was five or six years old. I remember my sisters listening to that and me dancing around. I wanted to paint everything black. Yeah, I literally dude, wanted to
3: paint started,
0: everything black. I was black. 12
3: and I started listening to Satanic Majesty's Request. I thought there it was you know. the greatest fucking album in the world.
0: But you're denying your children that great gift. Uh, I'll play but it for them at some point. You're but playing first... them the pedophile's music. <laughs> so what? <laughs> it, Separate the artist from the it. art.
3: You know, so, something that happened with Michael Morrissey. Jackson. I see a picture of Morrissey in here. I love
0: Morrissey. Yeah, well, people but hate I don't ex- Morrissey. I don't expect know my kids to like Morrissey. No, no. so you, I'm taking. mine Morrissey. So Michael Jackson died. What year? Celebrity Rehab was on television then. I don't so know. Whatever. Two thousand
2: two thousand nine. I think. Okay. Was so we had been on. Good for job, like, Neil.
0: We had been on for a year or so. So I, I was. It was the height of Celebrity Rehab, and. VH1 kept pushing us to do social media and I was like, I don't want to do it and I had finally just started doing it like three months before Michael Jackson died. So then, Michael Jackson dies and you know, I like to be a topical. So I, I, I like two days after he died, I text, I, I posted whatever, Facebook I think was the thing. I posted, let me get this straight. Three days ago, this guy was a pedophile that couldn't get a gig. And now he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> you yeah. don't even want to know what came at me from that. Death threats. People, gonna, people banning the show. Wanting to pull out sponsors on Celebrity Rehab. Just because I said that. Like... I th- I thought it was it was didn't just a question. The, they I didn't was. did edit posing. that out. No, VH1 then wouldn't let me do any more of that. After that, it was talk- on the VH1 website for a while. Oh no, <laughs> no,
1: that's their fault, not yours.
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody reads that shit. They just post it, and then if something uh, uproar comes up, then they go, "Oh my god, we know," you know.
1: I guess there is such thing as bad press then.
0: But isn't that isn't that the truth of what happened with him?
1: yeah he, he did disappear
0: he he was unemployable and this was his comeback, where he was going to play fifty shows in fifty days for a bl- bunch of weirdos in London. His catalog he of play fucking music. His
3: catalog of music is amazing. It's fucking amazing, man. I, With Quincy I get it. Jones. I,
0: but at a certain point, you can't separate the artist from the. You the have to. Artist. I want. You know, no. Every time I listen to him, I think of that little Mexican I kid don't. who had cancer, who he was molesting. I think I about don't.
2: that. <laughs> I don't. Death canonizes people. As soon as someone dies, it just turns them into. A, a I want to be the first being. person
0: that defies that. I want when I die for Chuck to still resent me for attacking him about Orange <laughs> County. I want Mike <laughs> to still talk shit about me. I want people to just say he was an asshole. Yeah, he helped a lot of people, but he was an asshole. I'm gonna say That's that what at I your want funeral. To-
1: <laughs> I think you're gonna outlive all of us. No. To tell you the truth, no. I think.
0: The, because because that's been my experience. I uh, you know I don't know if it was was it on the podcast, Mike, or or was it afterwards a, a couple of weeks ago when I said Kurt was an asshole. Kurt Cobain. Uh,
2: and you, Mike uh, okay.
0: Mart, literally wanted to jump on me. No, he I, was the greatest guy ever. What are oh, you talking I do about? Remember that. No, I didn't oh, yeah. say it was.
3: You said he was an
0: asshole, and I
3: said he was a really nice guy. <laughs> well. And, and was that was my didn't. experience with him. Every time I was with him, he was and super what is nice. That? And he what, was high as a motherfucker. And the
0: asshole was Courtney Love. But okay? but but get that. I believe all interesting people are both assholes and really cool. And when we try to beatify them, right, I, I don't think there was a really cool part of Michael Jackson. Right? I, I just don't. I didn't see it exemplified like I did in Kurt or or Bob Marley, or I didn't see him be particularly generous or gracious. He was all about him all the time. He made a couple great records. Fuck are you, kidding me, man! Off the wall. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to go with this Mike on this This is some
3: controversial shit. Michael I think, Jackson I think, man. Off the, wall, Jones is a, off the
0: wall is amazing. a masterpiece. Thriller is good, but you can't forget Thriller. One of his worst songs ever is on that album, right? And the ballads are horrible, fake piano-sounding bullshit. Ugh. But oh, but you're out of your mind. and and the Jackson Five. <laughs> you need to
3: revisit Michael Jackson, man. I think
0: I, I, I lived Michael Jackson. I DJed in the 1980s. Are you kidding me? It was constant. You were so high in the 80s, you weren't listening. Yeah, to I was on coke and ecstasy and stuff. But it was still I was listening. So to the music. will you will you, so but anyway,
3: you revisit a, a a like say for instance a Clint Eastwood movie. Without, like, thinking, oh, my God, he's a no, racist. No, I, I can't a...
0: watch Clint Eastwood movies I can anymore. watch Clint Eastwood <laughs> movies? No. Why would you? But, you know, because, of, because of that thing he did Clint where Eastwood. he's mentally ill and sitting talking to an empty chair like it's Barack Obama, the President of the United States. And let me say this. That's if any great. liberal did that with an empty chair saying it's Donald Trump, the fucking Republicans would go nuts. The liberals and have gone crazy. You were just talking about Russell no, Brand. I just I have no interest in it. I have no interest in, in Clint Eastwood or any of these old fogies that make m- movies. I'm not interested in it. Uh, well,
1: was he, no, that,
0: Martin Scorsese hasn't made a good movie in 30 years. Is, he, any, is anybody going to say that? Or are we just going to continue to say, he's "Oh, made, he's great, he's great"? No, he's not. He's made all music documentaries. He's ever since the Last Waltz. Yeah, a sickening movie like sucking the dick of Mick Jagger, and then some the other Last Waltz was the greatest movie ever. And a boring thing that everybody already knew about Bob Dylan, and then some goofy thing about Walt, Howard Hughes who needed to know that, and then some movie that had some good parts but it was also weird. The Leonardo DiCaprio and Jack Nicholson, that was all right. I
2: don't I don't What about remember. Wolf of Wall Street? What about Wolf of Wall Street, it's, Bob? It's corny. It's corny. Bob?
0: It's corny. You have it's, lost your perspective, Bob. It's corny. You, lost, you have are, lost, your, you you lost your perspective. No, you I haven't. I've like lost your perspective. You guys that. talk well about the up. there are new Scroces, there are new Clint Eastwoods, there are new great artists making Ozark and and true but Detective. But they're all the
3: millennials you
1: hate.
0: No, but, oh, they're a little You older. know
1: what? I, I, don't, I never wanted to separate the artist from the art. I, wanted, I, I thought that I had personal relationships with people because I thought I knew them through their music. I'm glad I never met David Bowie, so he didn't have a chance to shatter that. But, I mean, I, I never wanted to, especially growing up. So when we tell, I mean, as, as adult People, supposedly adult people, it's easy for me to say, you know what, you got to separate the art from the artist, but I couldn't do it when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I wanted to emulate those people and what they did in their personal lives. I'd pick up Circus and Cream and all the magazines that had all, what are my heroes? What are they smoking? What are they doing? What do they look like? What do they act like?
0: And there was nothing, and there was never a time in your life you went, Michael Jackson, there's a cool guy. (laughs) there was never not one time did anyone in this podcast think Mm -hmm.
3: that here's more evidence of you losing your perspective okay you love bruce springsteen i love him and yet you went off on him
0: yeah like he was a phony he's a phony
3: lost perspective
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i can like someone and (laughs) then they can turn bad and i can say they're bad
2: But so look at the the musical influences though that were prevalent when you guys were growing up versus when millennials were growing up. So like when I was a little kid, the huge acts that we had, you know, we had like Radiohead, 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 White, Nirvana,
0: White Stripes. Well,
2: well, I'm gonna go even earlier when everyone was just on dope and on heroin. So when I'm like eight, six, five, six, seven years old, I'm listening to Nirvana. I'm listening to I'm emulating and looking at these these gods in my eyes who are all on heroin. So it's become normalized.
3: Allison Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. yeah
0: Seattle, oh yeah. Seattle. was not great for the youth of America. I can tell you that. I mean, is Eddie Vedder's the only singer left alive? I think. How about I think that? he's
1: the only one that made it out, huh?
0: He's the only singer left alive. Is he
1: not? Well, there's that. Who was that? Uh, who was that guy that uh, Nirvana used to drag around? That Todd. Tad. 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 The, the, yeah, the butcher guy. The big guy. Yeah he's alive yeah he's alive but he didn't he but didn't i mean you know
0: when you're talking about when you say seattle grunge you say pearl jam nirvana jay mascus is so uh cool. alice and chains cool. and Soundgarden. so go
3: on neil finish your thought on that what was it you you were talking about like the the music that you listen to and what yeah
2: else? so like the music that we listen to you know i'm 31 so i'd say i'm like peak millennial yeah i suppose and when I was a kid, I'm looking up and it was like, it was also the time when you look in, in culture of like heroin chic. You've got people falling off the, the runway, you know, everyone's right. wanting to look like they're on dope. And so as a seven or an eight year old kid, that was completely normalized for us. So when we're going out and going and picking up drugs for the first time, we weren't looking at, you know, people in the seventies who were smoking a dude, our heroes had been heroin slamming junkies. No, but so <laughs> were
0: ours, but here's the difference. Your generation of heroes died and our generation of heroes are still alive. We can go to desert trip and see them. You know what I mean? You're talking about Dylan, Dylan, uh, you know, almost every Rolling Stone, Neil Young, Keith Richards. I mean, the the, Iggy pop is still alive. Mm -hmm. Bowie died from cigarette smoking, not from Coke or heroin. So, So when you're looking at that generation, it was a survivor generation. You're supposed to survive to fight another day. And yeah, there was a nihilistic kind of a death thing from the moment. My son is 32. So I watched him become obsessed with Darby Crash and like Darby Crash died in 1980. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I do know right, that... Right, but you, it's, it was th- the
1: escalation.
0: But there were survivors in that, and I think people got turned off by it. The Chili Peppers of One, Radiohead's Another, um, uh, uh, White Stripe started a little later, but I, I think that of of that era, starting in, say, 95, 96, 97, 98, when you're 10 years old... Um, there's great artists. The Benz comes out during that period. The first no. White Stripes album comes out in that period. I mean, you may not like Radiohead. Everybody's got their own taste, but, but there was great art of people that did survive. But to me, yeah, Seattle did no great service to the American pop phenomena by all the no. self-pity and, and kind of self-obsession that they kind of exemplify.
2: It also just seemed to us like that the, um, at least I'm speaking for myself, on behalf of the whole millennial generation. Good, you can do that. That going out and dying of heroin addiction as a rock star when you're on top was like the pinnacle of success. Like you've got Bradley from Sublime who dies after playing like one show, you know, once their records really come out. Yeah. And that just was so fucking cool. It was like, can it be any more rock and roll yes, like it that got was beat just...
1: by Lil peep and triple X tentacion <laughs> yeah. but God. the single didn't come out yet and they managed to go yeah. out at top of their game yeah. before the single so they beat it beat that next kid yeah
0: beat that next
1: kid. <laughs> God damn it. See, this just uh, the whole escalation of the thing where you couldn't say certain things and do certain things and then it was okay to say and do and the normalization when the fashion industry actually calls it heroin. I always liked
0: being alive. That that was another thing that there are certain people I've known that didn't like being alive and they end up dying or Mm -hmm. or they end up changing their mind about it. But I would say there was a huge generation in the nineties that didn't like being alive. And I I wrote songs about like I didn't get it. I don't get Michael Stipe, uh, Eddie Vedder. If you don't want to be famous, stop being musicians. Nobody's going to bug you. Go away. Go away. Don't sit here and complain about how famous you are and people bug you all the time. Just stop making records and stop touring. You got enough money. The world is
2: just so fucked, though, for millennials, because we were told this lie growing up that say, you go to college, you get a, uh, an, a college education. You'll be able to get a job and support yourself. Yeah. That's
0: that definitely a, that fell on you and you end up with debt and you can't get a job. That, mm-hmm. that definitely is yeah. a millennial thing. And so you got, don't die going. And it's because you're dealing on the front lines. And that's the reason why I kind of came up with it. Like we got to figure out how to help these kids. And that's all I really care about. And if I, you know, say things that don't make any sense, it's fine. I'm, I'm on a mission to try to figure out how to do things differently or do things better or do like have some some of the things I go back to how I got sober. How I got sober was it was very simple. AA was not complicated when I got sober. It was very simple. The complications came from my generation of people because they're very complicated. They're very narcissistic. They have unique problems that And they have unique spiritual connections. And they, you know, it's baby boomers. They're the biggest nightmare that ever happened to this country. Until you millennials came along. (laughs) (laughs) They upped the game. They sure did. (laughs) Like, like, you know, when you look at my generation of people, like, it's unbelievable. You're a Gen Xer, right? Chuck's a Gen Xer. Me and Mike are baby boomers, right? Baby boomers. Let me name name a few of the great baby boomers. Donald J. Trump. Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton, Paul Ryan, Les Moonves, uh, Harvey Weinstein. This is the great, the great generation of you know, baby what? boomers. Yeah, but you, keep, Madonna. That, that's, Madonna. That's not
3: fair. That's not fair
1: either. That's just a few examples Bowie, don't of people Bowie. that. I mean, there's a lot of great people. I love the the. Uh, the people that are just ten years ahead of me. There is okay. so much I can learn. There is so much I can I can well, there's glean 10 from them. People
0: ten years behind you that you can too. I'm just well, saying yeah. in general. The baby boomers are the most entitled, lazy, want to be rich for doing nothing. That's who invented 401ks and, and the stock market and everybody should be rich from fucking other people under and I get to get mine, all that stuff. Greed is good. All that stuff from Wolf of Wall Street, all those motherfuckers were baby boomers, right? And there, and it's just, it, the generation before my father the great generation was an amazing generation. All they did was want to better for their families. All they did was want to make America prosperous. And like my dad had a vision of things that he used to always talk about. I grew up in a three-room house with 11 kids in it. Right. And now each of my kids have their own bedroom with a TV in it. Right. And so his plan was like, you're going to be grateful. You're going to this is going to be amazing The opportunities you're going to be given. All my three sisters and me are train wrecks in one way or another. So for some reason that what the great generation did for their children was create little king babies. Right. Right? And so what's interesting is actually the millennials, all the I, I believe you touch on it, Neil. A lot of the consequences of the baby boomers' selfishness and need for material wealth fell on your generation. All the and it's only going to fall harder and harder, generation after generation. Somebody's got to pay for this whole mess. You have three trillion dollars of, of war debt. You're paying for that. I'll be dead. Good luck with oh, that. <laughs> oh well, yeah, well, what I I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, you, who thought of hey? Who thought of school loans at nineteen percent? You want to know who thought of it? Hillary Clinton. That's that, and you know who state it started in? Joe Biden. Right. So liberals sold the fucking millennials down a river with this hundred thousand dollar education that's worthless. Are you sure about that? Yes. I don't like that. Do you know, Biden is a representative of Delaware. You know where all credit card companies are? In Delaware.
1: Uh, I just
0: saw him on TV the other day and I started liking him. He's from Pittsburgh or something like that. I just
1: never liked his hair or his teeth.
0: Well, I mean, I I, honestly, I just don't like, you know, I just, the whole thing, I can't. He, he, He lies why he didn't run for president. He says, because my son died. That's a lie is because the Clinton machine told him, fucking stand down or we'll fucking destroy you. That's what happened. You really think that Joe Biden didn't run for president because his son had died two years before? Wouldn't it be an honor and a privilege for that, in his honor, to become president of the United States and do something for cancer research or something, or cure cancer?
2: Well, going by that same logic, you would think that 45... would be the greatest thing for drug and alcohol, you know, sufferers because <laughs> know. his brother died of fucking alcoholism. <laughs> I know. You know he doesn't give a shit. He yeah.
0: hasn't. But but you know, I just think that the baby boomers and the millennials have a lot in common, and it's not, and that's where you get the most criticism is from baby boomers like me. You're lazy. You don't What the fuck's I'm, wrong with same you? Same thing. Blah, our parents. The same thing. My right? parents told me. <laughs> right. Yep. Your parents were probably baby boomers. Yeah. Right. So we can always find great good examples but in general baby boomers have done some things that instituted greed as the most powerful important thing in American society. They did that. Would you not give it that that money ah. is the most important thing in 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 existence.
2: I 100% agree. I mean look at somebody like you got Steve Jobs, you know, who did who was incredible for innovation but you read about him as a person. He was a complete fucking asshole. Um, you know, he turned his back on... On his own people. daughter.
0: Yeah. On his own daughter. On his
2: daughter. own daughter. He refused to, you know, refused to even acknowledge that she was his daughter. I know. Um, I mean, it's just absolutely disgusting. Yet, when the guy dies, he's looked at as, like, the god of Apple, which, yeah, you know, the, the god, god of the world, which...
0: Yeah, the, but, the, the, but wealth is God. Wealth is the idolatry of wealth has become uh, standard in American society. And I grew up in a thing. And another thing that's become standard is war is good. What about
2: the pizza shops? Are you still thinking about doing that? The, the pizza Yeah, the, shops? the, the <laughs> delicious,
0: delicious pizza to be involved. It's it's just everything's kind of you know what happened. All this stuff I was talking about six or eight months ago. You know, because you work in rehab the 25% compensation just made us all have to have a lot of meetings. Well, There's <laughs> been a lot of meetings in the last yeah. 6 8 months. There has right? been
1: a lot of a lot of cutbacks on expenditures.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Especially- a lot of
2: techs are having ketchup soup for dinner. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Well, so what's well, We've been trying to open up a new facility, uh, like a new all- This is the cool thing It's going to be all cash, no insurance, just like a small little six-bed super high-end and man, we've been we've had like eight opening dates, and we've just having to keep pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. It's just it's, it's not the same uh, climate out there that it was, you know. But a it year was, but, ago. but
0: but here's why I can tell you we're do, doing kind of the same thing. Like Malibu, Allo Malibu will always be that, and then we're gonna re kind of tool everything else, right? So so there is that market for that. but They don't trust it. Because they've gone to Cumberland Heights, where it's told it's all high end, it's all top notch, it's all whatever, uh, you know, up there, or whatever fancy rehabs in Marin County. And they get there and they're in rehab with people from Ohio that they're running the insurance on. And there's this cultural, educational kind of grab assy thing. You know what I mean? Adults who mm-hmm. have fifty grand want to be in with adults who have fifty grand. They don't want to be in with 10 millennials playing grab ass and complaining about the food and not wanting mm. to be there. They don't. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. the people who usually went to high end to when wavelengths was in Malibu. What what Chuck doesn't talk about is his rehab used to be in Malibu. Then they moved to Huntington Beach because like it was when it was the first rehab in Malibu, I think, wavelengths. Yeah. I
1: don't know. It I, was. I'd defer to you on that one. Yeah,
0: it was a great rehab. I mean, everybody had their own bungalow with a roommate. So, um, so what, what I think is happening is they want guarantee. They want your closer, your intake people to say, no, 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 there's no millennials here. <laughs> 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 but that's who's dying. I mean, no, but the millennials need to go to our Long Beach facility where we tell them to shut up and get a job. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what happened to you. I guarantee you, I can tell you, you've had a job since you had two months sobriety.
2: Oh, yeah. That was like the first thing my counselor told me. To do. He said, you know, I had to go get a get well job.
0: There you go. You know? And you took his advice and you're well. And now you're a part of this great tapestry of sobriety and help. And more people given that simple direction. If I didn't get the job at Millie's, I wouldn't be sober. I didn't even have to think. From the moment I woke up and had to pee, I had to be somewhere and do something. And you know what? People were depending on me to be there and do it. Mm -hmm. And that helped me so much. Like, if I didn't show up, then the biscuits aren't going to get made. Then Iris Berry is going to be freaking out. Keith's going to come over and go, get out of bed, you fucking lazy fucking pig. (laughs) What the fuck (laughs) is wrong with you? Everybody's down there already. He would because I did I was a little late and I'd be walking towards Millie's and he'd be walking down with his apron on where the fuck have you been and he would, I would meet him like halfway in the block like at 7:45 and he'd be "Where the fuck have you been you're supposed to be down here an hour ago
1: but it was a peer telling you that
0: yeah and it was a sober person telling me that right right and somehow I just think that left to my own device, especially if I got to talk about my problems, I would not be sober. If I got to stay somewhere nice for three months and talk about how, what what my problems, it wouldn't have set in. This this responsibility to others, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was living in sober living, and I, one of the main reasons I wanted to get a job is because I wanted to get the hell out of the sober living. I didn't want to have to go to morning meditation at 9 o'clock. Oh, God. And if, I, <laughs> if I had a job, I could leave and, you know, get the hell out of there. But, I mean… I credit, you know, being accountable, you know. I mean, hell, I lived in sober living in one form or another for like a year and a half almost.
0: Uh, see, the, yeah. the Dr. Drews will say that's how you stayed sober. You know what I mean? That you were in sober living and accountable and all that. I don't know about that, but what, accountability, yes. You and became you get,
1: self-sufficient, though. You,
0: but you get accountability in other ways by just having a job. If you care about yeah. the people you work with and you don't want to let them down, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and I didn't.
2: I didn't know which part was working and which parts were not contributing oh, to it. Yeah. So, but I liked how I was living, so I didn't want to give anything up. Right. You know, I'm just, I just I I enjoy being sober. I mean, I which which is weird because I've been you know forced to be. God, I went to my first twelve step meeting when I was like fourteen years old. When oh, I my I, God. I got my wisdom teeth pulled out, and I was my I was in the backyard smoking weed, and my mom caught me smoking weed like four hours later, and she's like, next thing I knew it was a punishment. She sent me to a 12-step meeting. Where and at?
0: I, where at? What part of San Francisco did you? Oh, San Jose you lived? Where would you this, go? Yeah.
2: This is in San Jose. I went to a meeting. It was actually in Saratoga, Saratoga California. Saratoga.
0: Saratoga Lanes. I used to bowl there. Holy shit, yeah. I went to Peterson High School on El Camino Real. No bloody way. You know yeah. where I went, Peterson High School is?
2: Dude, I, I do. I went to... Uh, well, I went so I went to... Uh, St. Andrews in Saratoga, and then I went to Lincoln High in San Jose. Oh my
0: God! My mom probably knows your f- f- family somehow. So my 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 mom married like five times, and her third husband had a restaurant in in Los Altos or Saratoga called Avantes, right? Mm, okay. And and then when my dad was dying, they decided I should get up to be near her, and I lived in San Jose. My 8th grade, freshman year and sophomore year of high school, and then I came back down to LA. So I was there. I was there when they killed the girl in Milpitas at the high school. Remember? And they made a movie called Rivers Edge about it. I lived oh, there. Jesus. I lived near near Milpitas, California. You killed that girl? No, the, <laughs> after after I I was older, but a kid okay. did it. And that's where it happened, the real life events of the movie Rivers Edge happened in Milpitas, California in San Jose. And yeah. I used to be on the golf team at San Jose, at Peterson High School, and golf at San Jose Municipal Golf Course.
2: Oh, my God. That's what we used to go smoke weed at, San Jose Muni, all the time.
0: Yeah, I, the first time I smoked weed was at the motocross thing out on the 210 out near Milpitas. the first time I smoked weed, first time I ever kissed a girl. every A lot of firsts happened there in San Jose.
1: I didn't even know you lived there.
0: Yeah, and we used to race... Stoned and drunk um, from Futurama Bowl on the Lawrence Expressway to the Santa Cruz Boardwalk with our CB radios. And we would, it was 1977. And I was, I was stoned out of my mind.
3: Break the right,
0: Breaker 1 9. Drunk driving at 1 o'clock in the morning uh, uh, over to Santa Cruz going 85, 90 miles an hour on that
2: highway. <laughs> <subway. laughs> On Highway 70, there's no, yeah. there's no center divider on that yeah. road.
0: <laughs> no, but there's nobody nice. on the road at that time of night either. <laughs> we well, had re-
2: fun. We came home. I remember being on, in grad night in Santa Cruz, and we were so drunk, and we were driving home, and the only way we were able to st- try and stay on the stay road. Stay on we were the just, bouncer.
0: Stay on yeah, the bouncer. Yeah, exactly. I you know. Well, it used <laughs> to get right so foggy the there. You'd have to, the way you knew you were in the lane is to hit the the thing that goes the road turtles yeah Yeah. because it it would get so foggy and i didn't want to slow down i just want to know you know yeah i'm going i'm all right i'm all right i'm all right and now kids are dying from going to rehab and taking heroin dying and i and i was doing that when i was 16 it's crazy but you know keep keep up the work and maybe i can come up there and you know i love the sacramento kings i want to go see them play in the new arena
2: I live about 500 feet from the arena there. So, oh my God. Bob, yeah, we would love to have you on here. Want up to hear here. the
0: weirdest thing ever? So, yeah. so I, <laughs> of course. I, no. I, well, it, it really is. Weird. <laughs> so, no. If you know me coming from where I come from, this is a weird one. So, I, a friend of mine says, um, let's go to dinner uh, before Coachella down in Palm Desert, right? And I go, okay. So we go to dinner. I got Elvis. He's out of control. This is when he was like four years old. He's at this fancy restaurant dinner. He's running all around. And this woman starts to help him. And we're talking about kids and whatever. And she's totally cool with kids. And she's very, very calm. You could just tell like she's a teacher or something, right? So then I, I look at... You know, Because when you're at a big table with like 10 people and your kid's acting like a nightmare, you don't look at everybody's face. Then I look at the guy she's with and it's Kevin Johnson, the uh, basketball player. Now, I have no idea what's happened to him. I just remember him on the Phoenix Suns. So I start talking to him and Elvis starts calming down and I'm talking to him and I say, you know, talking basketball and he's very gracious and I go, so what are you doing now? Like, I didn't know. He's the mayor of Sacramento. What? This guy yeah. talked to a
1: basketball so he player? then he yeah. then
0: says anytime you want to come up and go to the Kings game we'll go we'll go and so I've been waiting to go to Sacramento so I could text Kevin Johnson and go let's go to a game isn't that crazy sounds like you
2: got it you got to get up here Bob you have got to get up here we you know we'll have a we'll have a don't die Sacramento meeting we'll have I'll get Fucking hundreds of kids out here can speak, and then go to the game. Don't
0: Die Sacramento. You can look it up, Don't Die Sacramento podcast. Don't Die, Don't Die Dopey. Everybody who's trying (laughs) to break the veil of anonymity and secrecy and just be honest and be truthful and share who you are. are. All right, Till next time, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Good night. Good to meet you, man. Good night. Hey. It was a pleasure to be here. If you, if you, uh, We actually have a, a Don't Die hotline uh, where you can leave us a voicemail. You can send us an email at don'tdiesack at gmail.com or you can call anytime leave us a message. If you need help, 415-799-9063. Life, they
0: have a fucking phone number. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Please tell me that's like uh, on an Obama phone.
3: <laughs> Let's give. Well, Bob, we give out your phone number, don't yeah, we?
0: Okay, the don't die. The, r- the real don't die number is 213 804 3843. But don't expect me to answer. <laughs> text me 213 804 3843.
3: That's the official text don't die hotline.
0: I just text, I guess got two texts from, from here. I'm going to read the last one. This is how we'll go out. Oh, Dave, this guy, David, texted me today. Out of the blue, been craving benzos today like it's nobody's business. What do I do? I said, they are a grandma's drug. Fuck 'em. them. You don't need benzos. And he wrote, he texted back, right on.
3: <laughs> All right, don't die, everybody. Nice to meet you, Neil.
2: See you hey, later, Hey, thanks again. for having me on, guys. Thank, Thank you. Man. Bye-bye.